OBS Orbit, the podcast for Open vSwitch users and developers. This is episode 32. This is the first of several episodes recorded from talks at the Open Source Day for Open vSwitch, which was something like a mini OBS conference that was held at the OpenStack Summit in Boston on May 10th. I'm sincerely grateful to the OpenStack Foundation for donating a room to the Open vSwitch project for the day at no charge. I'm also grateful to the AV technician who took care of the room for the day for letting me plug my audio recorder into his board. I forgot to get his name, unfortunately. This particular talk is about deploying OVN on Windows with OpenStack and Kubernetes, and it is divided into two parts, one for OpenStack, the other for Kubernetes. Each part includes a demo. The demos may be less interesting than the rest of the talk because video is not available, and therefore you can't really watch the demo. If you refer to the show notes, I put in the time at which each demo starts and ends in case you want to skip over them. On to the talk. Hi folks, welcome to the, to the show. <laughs> so we're going to talk about um, OVN and Kubernetes, okay? Especially uh, in, in the context of Windows and Hyper-V. So deploying OVN on Windows with OpenStack and Kubernetes. You will see that we split the, the session in two parts, which we hope you will find highly entertaining. <laughs> so um, let me introduce you, Alin Baluzzaoyu. Hey. I'm Alin, I'm working for Cloud-based Solution for a couple of years now, and I'm working on the Cloud-based SDN team. Okay. We have uh, an invisible presence, which is Alin Shardian, which is our team lead uh, on the OBS side, which didn't make it here to, to Boston, so is currently in Romania. Uh, and myself, Alessandro Pilotti. Okay, next. So part one, De deploying an OpenStack environment using OVN and networking OVN. There you go. So what's the main, the main point here? If you deploy OpenStack uh, with Hyper-V nodes, with Hyper-V compute nodes, you have a bunch of possibilities, let's say, for when it comes to networking. One of them is the traditional networking Hyper-V V1, how we call it, which is called using the SDN stack that comes with, uh, with Windows Server 2012 and 2012R2, but that's limited to VLANs and, and VGRE, okay? So that's it. Then we have, um, a new stack, which is also fully Microsoft native, which is the Hyper-V network controller, which is the same network, networking stack, which is used, for example, by Azure stack and so on, okay? Um, that's also all native Microsoft technology. And then we have a third option, which is uh, OpenVSwitch, okay? So we did a, a, a lot of work with, um, with the OVS community on, um, on, on porting, of course, OVS to Hyper-V. So this was a very successful work because it allowed basically to take Hyper-V uh, from, let's call it his isolation, <laughs> and being able to integrate it in any deployment using uh, OpenV switch for networking, okay? So when we started the work of um, um, our, for example, um, Hyper-V Nova compute driver on, um, on, on Hyper-V, we knew that without a common lingua franca to talk to other nodes and to talk to the rest of the infrastructure, most probably Hyper-V would have been relegated in a full isolated mode. So from this perspective, OVS was extremely successful, okay? So we are very thankful to, to the community and to everybody involved and of course to our users which adopted it. Um, this also means that we take uh, the same identical, um, let's say, um, user space, um, CLI interface, command line interface, 
that you, you're familiar with on, on, on Linux and we use it on Windows, which also in turn means that we can take the regular ML2 um, driver that we have on, um, on, on Linux and run it on Windows with a little bit of changes, okay? But very modest. This also implies that all the limitations for which the uh, agent is famous on, uh, on, um, on, on Linux, famous or infamous, <laughs> depending on how you want to say it, are coming also over to Windows, okay? And that's where OVN takes, um, uh, comes into play, okay? So here is the networking without OVN. So this is the traditional OVN model that you can find also on, um, on, uh, on Windows, okay? So neutral server, of course you have a RabbitMQ, OVS agent, L3 agent, DCP agent, and so on. And, um, and of course there is communication, RPC communication between them, okay? Doesn't work too well because uh, for scalability issues and so on that we are all familiar with also from the Linux side. And here is the, by contrast, the OVN model in which we have a, a networking OVN um, um, agent running on, uh, on your controller or wherever you want and that is going to talk directly with OVN, okay? And OVN then in turn will, will talk to the rest of the components running on, the, on our compute nodes that you can see here. No? where you can have OVN controller and an OVS deployed. We will demo all these things, and of course, uh, we can provide additional information whenever you guys want. Um, Anding a Windows node is very easy. So there is an MSI that you can use to install all the OpenVSwitch components and the OVN components. Uh, this will create services for OVS, so you have OVSDB server, OVS vSwitchD, and a data path, which is basically a Hyper-V vSwitch forwarding extension. So the way in which we, we engineer, let's say, um, the OVS support, the OVS implementation on, uh, on Hyper-V is to make sure that we keep the same identical user space and implement, of course, the, the differences inside of the kernel, okay? So that, that's where all the big differences are. Trying to reuse, of course, as much code as we can from the Linux side, but there are, of course, clear, clear differences between, uh, between the architectures. And then we have, of course, the OVN controller, which is the same identical C code that, that you're familiar with on, um, on, on the Linux side. Okay, Aline, would you like to talk about um, configuring a, a Windows node? Yep, sure. Okay. So configuring a, configuring a Windows node is as simple as configuring a Linux node. Uh, you have to follow almost the same identical steps as you do on the Linux. Uh, first, you, may, you need to make sure that the Hyper-V virtual switch extension is enabled on the virtual switch that you created on the Hyper-V. Then you need to start the OVS services and the OVM controller on the Hyper-V node. And we have a few system information that we need to set in order for the OVN controller to know how to talk to the northbound and retrieve all the network information. So we need to set uh, variables like system ID, which should be unique, the OVN bridge, uh, which should be the port under which, uh, the bridge under which we want to add the VM ports, the container ports in this case. Uh, the OVN remote, where the OVN remote and OVN northbound, where the database for OVN is residing, the encapsulation IP, which will be used to create the tunneling endpoints, and the encapsulation type, which can be anything that you want from GRE, STT, Geneve to Vexlan. Here is our deployment that we're going to demo later on. Uh, we have a dev stack all in one, meaning that we have also the compute node for KVM uh, present in this uh, node, and the Hyper-V one, where we installed the Nova computer with the Hyper-V Nova Compute MSI installer, and we installed the OVS, 
with the OVS MSI. We have the OVM controller running on the Hyper-V, and we have created two VMs, because it takes some time to create them. They're Ubuntu VMs. <laughs> and on the DevTech one, we have the OVM Norbond uh, daemon, which is running, and talks to the OVM controllers one, and the OVM controller, of course, needed for the compute node present on the DevTech. Uh, I'm going now to show you a live demo. Let's all pray for the demo gods, as usual. Uh, here I have our deployment. Uh, we have, uh, it's running locally. We have the Nutterkin VM controller, which is basically the dev stack that we saw previously. Uh, there is already a VM running on it. If you can see here, I have the VM1, which uh, the VM1 runs on Hyper-V, and the VM2 runs on the KVM. Let's start with some basic on the Hyper-V. So I was saying we need to configure some variables for the OVM controller to talk with the database. So we have OVSV, SCTL, get open. Uh, we have the encapsulation IP, which is used to talk with the controller, which in our case is DevStack. We have the encapsulation type, which can be Geneva or Vexlan. Uh, we have the north bound, which is present on the controller. Then we have the, again, the south bound, which is present uh, also on the controller. The system ID, which is generated randomly. We just created the GUID, the global unique identifier, and we set it here. We have the services. As you can see, we have the OVM controller running on our com compute node, and uh, of course, OVS services, which are needed. You can also see the tunnel endpoints. You can see that it was created a tunnel, endpoint, uh, tunnel in between the Hyper-V compute node and the KVM one. Just one note for people maybe not familiar with, with the Windows command line interfaces and everything, that's a PowerShell shell, okay? So you're, you're inside of a Windows command line interface, to say so. And, and as you can see, we, we, we kept the same command line interface that you're familiar with from the Linux side, okay? So if you are coming from Linux and having to do this on Windows, we hope that you will find it very familiar, okay? That's how we design it, to say so. <laughs> cool. Thanks, Alex. As I was saying, we have two VMs, which is the VM from the left side is present on the Hyper-V node, and the VM on the right side is on the KVM compute node. As you can see, the one is Chiros VM and the other one an Ubuntu VM. We have different security groups for each one of them. We want to show you that we have the networking of VM has stateful firewalling. For example, at the moment we don't have any other security groups besides the SSH because we SSH into the machines and the UDP rule needed for DHCP. So now if I try to do, uh, this is the private IP that we get from the DHCP. One interesting thing is the fact that having networking OVN deployed on the compute nodes uh, will create a local flow which will capture the DHCP request and it will reply instantly without sending the packet, uh, without the packet going outside from the hypervisor. So if I do, each client on ATH0, I just got the AP. It's almost instantaneous. Now, if I try to ping the other one, this will not work because I do not have any security rules attached to it for the SMP. Now, for the VM one, if we are going to add the rule for egress, and for the second VM, an ICMP rule for ingress. So now we are going to allow all the traffic, all the ICMP traffic to go out from the second VM and to enter the, from the first VM and to enter the second VM. As you can see, the ping started to work. If we try the other way around, this is not going to work because it's, we allow the traffic only one way. In order to allow it uh, both ways, we just had to add the other rule. One thing 
good to notice is the fact that there we have two different VMs residing on two different hypervisors. So they're not both running on KVM or Hyper-V. Uh, one VM is running on Hyper-V and one is running on KVM. And as you can see, they both work the same way. The same way. So now as you can see, the ping started to work both ways. Uh, to show that this works only also for TCP ports, we can just start listening on a port. We try to connect to it. As you can see, it's not working if we add a TCP rule for port. Uh, so the second VM is trying to connect the first one. If we add the ingress rule for the first VM for port 2000, which we are using, and we add the TCP rule for the second VM, which tries to connect to the second one for 2000. As you can see, it started to work and it also replied back with the message. Uh, the same thing applies the other way around and also it works for UDP. So we have stateful file running for ICMP, TCP, UDP, all I have for this demo. Now we're going on with the slide. Well, the demo worked, but what happens if you have problems with your environment? Well, then you have to look into the OpenV switch and OVN uh, logs to see if there are any errors, if the, if the services are stalling or for some reason they are not working. You should check also the connectivity with the other uh, node, with the other nodes in your environment to make sure that the, uh, you have connectivity with the tunnel endpoint IP. And you can use a few tools that are available in OVS, for example, if you wanna, if you wanna make sure that your flows work as you expect them to work, you can just inject a packet manually without creating real traffic, so that's very useful for debugging. Uh, you can also use packet sniffers such as Wireshark to uh, see the traffic. Uh, another thing to not for, uh, good to do is to update your network interface card drivers if applicable. For example, in the past we had some issues with it, so it's really good to keep your drivers up to date. Also. One thing, as you see, you should have the OVS extension enabled in running, so you should not forget to enable it because if you don't have the OVS extension enabled on the virtual switch, uh, you are not going. Uh, the OVS is not going to work. And from here on, Alessandro. Yep. Okay. So I hope you enjoyed the first demo. Um, Windows Datapad. Just a few things about what we can do over there. Um, we support all types of, or let's say the types of tunneling that, that most of our deployments um, are currently using and that are using, uh, users are requiring, for example, GRE, Geneva, STT, VXLAN. Uh, VXLAN being the, the most popular, of course, but no, not definitely the only one, okay? Supports almost all of the matching flows. So again, we are trying to have a one-to-one -one parity whenever it makes sense. Um, majority set actions, OVS breaches work the same way as on Linux since 2.7. Uh, supports multiple VTAPs, supportable multiple NICs, so you can have, of course, a, a vSwitch with multiple NICs attached. And supports packet recirculation. Contract, so that was um, a big deal, let's say, in 2.6. We added contract support, uh, which includes uh, uh, ICMP, TCP, UDP, FTP. Support for netting, which is currently work in progress. And uh, what else do you have? OVS, OVN, Windows uh, CI it has unit test, uh, network OVS agent in-house testing, and network, neutron networking OVN, which is, of course, to be addressed, and data path unit test that we have to do. Okay, it's not particularly easy to perform unit test on, on the kernel side. Okay, next release cycle. Megaflows are one of our main targets, and in general, performance improvements is what we want to, to achieve, okay? IPv6 tunnels and IPv6 contracts. How many of you guys are using IPv6 uh, tunnels today? 
One? Okay. So we, we know that we have to do it. <laughs> it's just that since almost everybody of our users are typically using IPv4 for that, we will simply postpone the, the implementation. Same also for contract from that perspective, okay? That's it, okay. Performance-wise, we are already pretty happy, but obviously there is always work that can be done. We want, of course, to reach a near-line performance, no? From this perspective, especially on, uh, on high-end adapters, okay? In the moment you go beyond the 10, 10 gigabits, we want, we want to reach, of course, full, full saturation even there. Okay, on the community side of things, so OVS, it's a full community effort, okay? Most active devs are from VMware and cloud-based solutions, but of course, anybody is free to join us and contribute, of course, upstream in the OVS community. Patches can be sent at the following address, and uh, pull requests are also very, very welcome. And of course, also reviews are very welcome, beta testers and whoever else would like to, to join us. We're moving to part two, um, deploying Kubernetes environment using OVN and OVN Kubernetes. How many of you guys are using Kubernetes? Um, we like a lot Kubernetes, and we think that OVS and OVN make a perfect match there. And again, are that perfect bridge to work uh, on both Linux and Windows, okay? OVS and OVN are not necessarily the most popular choice when it comes to, to Kubernetes deployment, okay? But we think that this is mostly due to the fact that uh, it's seen as a bit too complex for the type of deployment needed, while in our opinion it can be perfectly simplified and, uh, and, and, and become a, a de facto standard even there, okay? Among the advantages, uh, this model that we have here is the only one that can be used on both Windows containers and Linux containers. So you have a Kubernetes deployment with mixed Linux and Windows nodes. This is extremely powerful because you can create your application deployments which can be on both Linux and Windows. Think about, for example, a Windows container with an ASP.NET application talking to some services running on Linux in your same Kubernetes deployment, okay? So there is no other way to achieve this today if not using OVS or OVN. So we're very happy without that. Also, it can be plowed on every cloud. So we have um, demos, for example, there, recorded on video, um, at the link there, which is uh, um, OVS and, and Azure. We have it on GCE. Uh, demoed at um, um, Google Next, and of course on Primus, OpenStack and everything. And also you can have it spawning across two clouds, like the demo has some nodes running on AWS and some nodes having running on, on um, Azure. Okay, um, the history, so the initial proof of concept uh, was done by Guru Shetty, here I'm talking about the uh, the, the, the Kubernetes OVN implementation, okay, not, not, not the Windows one, let's say the general one. Um, there is a CNI plugin, and our goal is, of course, to get that CNI plugin on Windows as well. No? Let's go next. OVN provides, of course, agnostic virtualization to containers. It supports overlays. On Linux, it uses CNI plugins, as you already know, and Kubernetes, of course, will, will invoke directly the CNI. So that's actually the, the flow how it works. On Windows, there is a CNI porting in progress. Okay, so CNI, of course, was born on Linux. But there is no particular reason why it shouldn't work on Windows as well. It can work perfectly fine. The only thing is that on Windows, it's more expensive to spawn processes like on Linux. So on Linux, traditionally, you spawn processes all the time. No? While on Windows, you tend to avoid that, and, and you prefer to have like DLL interfaces and everything. Said that, uh, it's not something that they get spawned all the time, since this is mostly you know, on the management side of things. So we will start most probably with an initial EXE implementation similar executable implementation similar to, to the Linux one, and then we will see if it's the case also to, to create a separate one. We already spoke with the CNI community about that. Windows with OVN and Kubernetes, 
again, we just installed the OBS MSI, installed the Kubernetes binaries, okay? Um, it's Go, Golang can run everywhere, including Windows, of course. Setting up variable, and there is a tutorial on GCE, I mean, how to do it on GCE, but it can work also elsewhere, okay? This is work in progress. We plan to have a full release with better documentation very, very soon, okay? Okay, Aline, would you like to, to go on from here? Yep, sure. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. OVM Kubernetes is the default uh, networking solution for mixed environments. For example, if you want to have different environments like GC and Azure, OVM Kubernetes is the way to go. We're going to add more tutorials soon. And also, we would like to thank the SIG Windows community, the Slack channel. They help us a lot. The Prenda guys and the authors from the GitHub link, which have done the tutorial. Uh, and CNI is going to move soon to the uh, Cloud Native Computing Foundation very soon. Uh, here we have our, uh, uh, the architecture of our demo. Uh, as you can see, we have six nodes. We have the Kubernetes master, which is running on GCE. Uh, we have also a gateway for external access for the containers. And we have four different minions. Two of them are spawned on AWS and the other one on GCE. We have one Windows and one Linux pond on the Google Cloud platform and the other ones on Amazon. You can see we have public IPs for each one of them that is going to be used to create the endpoints between the IPs and to create a logical network between all the nodes. Uh, from what you can see uh, on the master node on Kubernetes, we need to have, of course, the services for Kubernetes, the Kubernetes API server, the Kubernetes scheduler, and we also need to have the OVN NordD daemon and the OVN controller. On the gateway, the only thing that we need to have running is the OVN controller, which will take care of setting all the flows and manage all the traffic outside. On each minion node that we add to Kubernetes, we need to have, of course, the OVN controller, and besides the OVN controller, we need to have the kubelet, which is basically Nova compute for Kubernetes, if, you, if we can say so. Now we are going to show you the demo. Let's hope that the demo gods are with us now. So we have here the Kubernetes master, the Linux worker, the Linux worker on GCE, and the gateway on GCE. You can, do, you, you can see the host names of each one of them. If we do an OVN SBCTL show, uh, here you can see what is OVN control responsible for. So OVN, when you start the OVN control on the compute node, after we set up the initial variables like the OVN, so when you first start the OVN control on the compute nodes, it will start to advertise itself to the OVN southbound database and it will create a so-called chassis. This is the chassis ID, which is the system ID that you set on the compute node. It has to be unique. Also, the host name should be unique. You can use anything you want on the host name. It doesn't have to be the host name of the uh, Hyper-V node or Hyper-V of the minion node. And also the encapsulation type that is being used inside. We can look inside the OVN uh, Norbound database. As you can see, we have for each minion node that to add, uh, a switch will be added inside the OVN. And we'll have each, you have to specify for each minion node the subnet which will be used to create the containers and attach them to that network. So also in the parentheses, you have a friendly name for the switch. It's very useful. You can see the uh, node name here. And inside the cluster, you have access to all of the containers. I can ping from the master node, uh, let's say the interface which is created on 
for example, the Linux code on GC, illustrate to ping the, the interface that is created on the Windows node on GC, and as you can see, this works. Uh, this is going to be used as a gateway when you spawn containers. So when you try to create, when you try to connect to a container which is created on the specified minion node, it will, it will go to through this gateway. So since we have access to this, every container that will be in that network will automatically be available inside the cluster. I have here a few ports. So I'm running Kubernetes version 1.5.7. Since you are not familiar with Kubernetes, we have so-called YAML or JSON files, where you specify how you want to create a container and what type, what type of image, where you want to, the container to be created on. For example, let's take a look at the ISS. As you can see, we have the name of the container, the image, it's an ISS image from Microsoft, and here we have the node selector, which is basically going to be used by the kub scheduler, the Kubernetes scheduler, and it will try to search for a Windows node inside your cluster, and I also specified the hostname because I want to have the IS spawned on the IWS. If we look at the BusyBox, for instance, it looks familiar, but this is in an YAML format. Uh, it's, also, it's going to spawn the container directly on the uh, Linux worker from AWS, AWS. Now if we go ahead and create all the containers. We're going to have a container created on each of the worker nodes that we have in our environments. On the Windows nodes, we're going to have an IIS deployed and on the Linux nodes, we're going to have some busy box machines just to see that the connectivity works and we can connect to the container. And then we're going to deploy also some services and Apache one, and we're going to see how OVN can load balance between the containers. And if we did this, you see that all the containers are running. This is the same Kubernetes deployment. They are not two different deployments. So one master, different nodes attached to it. We can describe each one of them. Let's, let's try to connect to the IIS. You can see it has this IP. You can just go ahead and ping the IP. As you can see, we have internet connectivities and any node in the cluster can connect to that container. Let's try to connect to the busy box on GCE. It has the IP 1002. As you can see, we also have connectivity to this one. And also from inside the containers, if from inside the containers, you can also connect to each other container, so there's no restriction. We also have, the, as I was saying, we created some services, and you can see here the load balancer which was created inside OVN. For example, if we want if we want locally to have the load balancer, we have the so-called service IP subnet, which is in my case 1010. Uh, wow, 24 slash 24. Now I can access this IP and it should give me different results every time. For example, the first time I got from a response from IS, the second time I got from Nginx, Nginx again, IS, and I should get an Apache. What's also interesting, we can also access this from the outside. If we look in the OVN load balancer table, we can see here that it was exposed for the gateway into the outside world, these containers. Here it is shown the private IP that we got from the cloud provider, which is GC. In this case, we do not need to use this IP and we need to use the public IP. So if we go to the web page and just connect 52 unified IP. So here we have the gateway and the port should be 31648. As you can see, I got the response from IIS. Now we have to start a new session and we should get another response. Oh. Here we go, we got the Nginx now. 
So you can have load balancing between them. Uh, here are the nodes and the GCE. You can see the external SRPs that we had in the design in the diagram before. And here we have them present on AWS. So going back to the slides. Uh, here we have some useful links which you can uh, use if you want to know more about OVN, networking OVN, Kubernetes, and how to how to deploy them. And if you have any questions. What version of OVN? Uh, we have OVN 2.7 deployed on the Hyper-V nodes. You should be out soon yeah. on the Windows. Usually when uh, a system gets ported or first used on a new system, you start getting a flurry of bug reports and bug fixes. Mm -hmm. I haven't really yeah. seen that for OVN on Windows. Are those common or did it just work? <laughs> well, I would like to say it just works. <laughs> Well, the, the idea is that with the, most of the communications happens on the, on the SIG windows in Kubernetes, okay? It's, it's quite active as a channel, and, uh, and there are a lot of people coming and asking everything. So we are, this is relatively, relatively new, uh, I mean, talking on the Kubernetes side, so most of the conversations are there. Most of, we have some proof of concept deployed at customers and everything, but in that case, it's, it's just a, let's say, direct communication. For, for the community one, I, I really recommend the SIG windows. It's, it's the best common place. Thank you, guys. OVS Orbit is edited and produced by Ben Pfaff using Audacity audio editing software and released under the Creative Commons Unported 3.0 license. The intro and bumper music in this episode is excerpted from Electro Deluxe by My Free Mickey and the outro from Girls Like You by Stefan Kartenberg, both under the Creative Commons Attribution Unported 3.0 license. For more episodes of OVS Orbit, visit ovsorbit.org or for more information about OpenVSwitch, visit openvswitch.org.